You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I dropped an amazing episode with Dom Grimao of The Last Felony, Ion Dissonance, and Cryptopsy. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! The Daily Music Business Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Daily Music Business Podcast, bringing you the Dumb and Dumbest Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Bacon, with my beautiful co-host, Keith of Ghost Cult Mag. Keith, how are you today? I'm good. Happy New Year, Matt. Happy New Year. We haven't done this podcast all year. Uh, uh, uh. Um, now, okay, so what we were going to talk about today was something I think very important to talk about, something I think a lot of people struggle with, and that is outdated modes of band promotion because a lot of money is wasted every year on outdated strategies so what would be some strategies you view as outdated keith that you see bands going for that shoot them in the foot sure thing i think you know right off the bat we're just living in a different age and i think it's hard for people to kind of catch up and be reasonable about their marketing plans. I think we've been going in this very rote old school style of music marketing for a long time. And it's not just, Oh, be on social or, Oh, you know, do your email marketing, which are important. But I just think the way the labels bands, some publicists, the way everything is done is just very tired and not, innovative and not groundbreaking and not thinking outside the box and doing what has worked. And the only, this is all the only thing that works. And I think just that mindset that right off the bat is the first mistake. Yeah. And I think a lot of that mindset, especially among labels is that those people tend to be really overworked in general, you know, and for not a lot of money. So I think there's a lot of people out there who are just like making nothing and just like, working 60 hours a week so that they can work at some label and so it becomes hard to like actually have the time to do something sort of next level um but yeah so specifically what are some tactics you see that are dated that people seem to be leaning on too heavily uh right off the bat my least favorite tactic ever the surprise release unless you have a real specific reason to hold back a release and not market it properly and appropriately there's some activation or some date surrounding importance you know if if uh, sabaton put out a music video in time with a specific date in a war that their song is about that's a good reason but if you're you know joe blow and no one knows who you are and you are like i surprise dropped my new ep well who does that help and who cares about that your friends your mom nobody else yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's an important one. The one I was going to talk about, I think that kind of inspired me is like, I had, I've had a couple people recently come out and be like, Oh, well, like I wanted to shift my, my release date so that we could maybe get Grammy consideration. And it's like, that's never going to happen. Like, 
just because you haven't heard of all the bands on the Grammys doesn't mean other people haven't heard of them. You know, I think this is a big mistake. I think that sometimes people will see someone like someone might approach me about a label and they'll be like, oh, I haven't heard of any of the bands on Ripple. So clearly that means they can't have that many big bands. And it's like, well, actually, you just don't know about the community, you know, and it's kind of the same way with the Grammys. I see a lot of people pitch it like talking about, oh, we want to be up for a Grammy. And it's like, well, the fucking people who have Grammys are like literally the most hyped band of their generation in the case of Code Orange or classic rock bands that are for some reason categorized as metal or, um, you know, like, like just major, major acts who played to a thousand people a night and motherfuckers seem to not understand that, you know? Um, so that really drives me, drives me bananas, if you will. Duly noted. Um, the other thing that we were talking about going into this show, um, well, so before we get into like the big thing I wanted to get into, I also feel like in many cases, magazine ads are pretty dated. You just read my mind. That's exactly what my next, you thing know, for some of the European mags, like you have to buy an ad if you want to get coverage in them. But like, unless you're doing like very specific, like German facing types of true metal or whatever, like, I just don't see the value there. You know, like, believe me, I, I know the strength of the German true metal scene. I have friends in that scene. Um, you know, I think it's cool. Don't get me wrong. But also, that's like a very specific case. I think that in the majority of cases, like, you could either get an ad in Decibel, you know, and go to sort of a generic general set of metalheads who kind of like the underground, or you could go run an ad to people who specifically like your three biggest influences. And that ad, you know, and that ad that you run online, you can actually test and optimize and not spend $400 hoping that your graphic design catches someone's eye. You know what I mean? Um, at least that's my two cents. What are your thoughts there, Keith? I uh, couldn't agree more. And of course, look, we love Decibel and an ad in Decibel, a, you know, aimed at if that's your target audience, that's a good idea. But also, you could take that same amount of money and put it into Blast Beat Network and get seen by hundreds of thousands of people. You could take that same amount of money and do a targeted Facebook ad, like you mentioned. You could take that same money and do a targeted Facebook ad, like I mentioned, and um, so many other things. But I do like some magazine ads. And again, there are also websites like mine, ghostcoldmag.com. We do advertising and We've got some paid ads on the banners on the site and uh, some programmatic ads too. We run ourselves, but yeah, it's uh, you know, it's it's weird that there's this very I want to I want to be in magazines. We both had we both know of one band last year that seriously considered doing ads in Times Square, in in New York City, ads in Times Square for their album release. I ran that an ad in Times. I, I ran an ad in Times Square last year. It was dope. <laughs> You work but I also band. got it at like 90% off, but it was we're so not, sick. We're not talking about your bands who are top 40 sometimes or charting bands in scene. <laughs> I know. I, I, I just I just was stoked that that happened. That's all. <laughs> we're talking about an underground band with no yeah. following. A, an ad in Times Square for a complete unknown band is not sophisticated, targeted, or smart in any way. Yeah, because well, you need to think about like... 
and this is kind of the thing that I think a lot of people struggle with, right? Is like, and I actually see like one common, I think that there is definitely sort of a subgenre of uh, quote unquote decibel metal, you know? And I think that's cool. Don't get me wrong. But I think that there's sort of this very specific, I think that like you see the one one issue I see is a lot of people will like especially older dudes will like see decibels like the main metal magazine and buy an ad even if the audience for their band is not the type of people who read decibel just because they want a magazine ad you know and I think it's the same with Times Square right where it's like well it doesn't make sense to run ads on Times Square because who are the types of people who are commonly buying records from from you know metal records from small bands and usually that's, you know, and what's the best way to get to them? You know, which is why already a decibel ad is a step up over a Times Square ad, because people who read decibel at least probably have a passing interest in some unsigned bands and supporting the scene. Whereas 99.9% of people on Times Square don't care about the biggest band in your genre. Right? Absolutely. You know? Whereas, like, you can run a Facebook ad explicitly to people in the biggest band in your genre. Uh, you know, explicitly people who are fans of the biggest band in your genre, for instance. You know, um, what other uh, windmills do you wish to tilt at in this episode? Because we have the big one coming up. Well, Is there anything else? Before? I'm trying to think if there's anything else. I think... Because um... I actually have another small one. Oh, let's hear your other small one before I. I think that using uh, having Facebook be your only social media platform is like serious boomer energy. I think having only Instagram is just as bad or worse, actually. I'm seeing a lot of bands not do Twitter, and that's fine. I understand why. And a lot of bands are down. Even if that's a mistake. It is a mistake. Everybody is down on. I would say this. If you're going to not have a Facebook, which is insane or you're not going to have an Insta, or you're not going to have a Twitter, double down. Maybe it's not, like I said, I, you know, I, te- I tend to be channel agnostic. I think a good piece of content can work in any possible form. So, okay, I don't want to have just posts and have people fighting it out and deal with the BS of Facebook. And there's a lot of BS on Twitter too. Okay, then make video your thing and do YouTube and TikTok like a, like a beast. And maybe Instagram, IG, TV and make that work for you uh it's proven it's awesome and it's engaging and those would be great things i can't think of one band that couldn't use it not one so not one genre not one type of band that could make use of these things so i can understand if you have a personal uh aversion to some of this stuff but like you can't you know it's like russian roulette with your career to have not be on the most important thing and if people do actually take the time to review you and then they go to tag you and you're not there you know I don't know. It just feels like, oh, yeah. okay, they, they don't care about their career. And I just oh, I, 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 I just want to say, because I'm also, like Keith, I, I do music, some music journalism, not to the extent that Keith does. But, like, I definitely get super aggravated when I go through the trouble of writing a review of a band. And they have no social media. And I'm just like, oh, okay. So you're just not even trying to promote yourself. So me taking the, you know time out of my day to write about your band is just sort of like something you kind of feel should happen right and that's not to say that i write reviews so they can get shared and 
No, yeah, but it's it's frustrating because like you want to, at least for me as a journalist, I want to write about bands who like are going to get some mileage out of it. Yeah, bands are responsible to promote themselves and journalists are not your PR and they're not your marketers. Uh, if you want to hire Matt or me to do some of your music marketing for you, holler at your boys, but that's not what we do here. Yeah, now, okay. Now circling back, final big thing. And this one's a lot more complex, and so I don't want to draw any sweeping generalizations. But the big one that costs a lot of money that I see screwing over a lot of people is radio. The big kahuna. And here's the thing with radio is, is it works very well for certain subgenres. It works very well if you can do something that gets the eye of um, one of the DJs, right? Um, but like, you know, like, like, like it can be, you know, if you can get like over enemy got their, um, their, their Slayer cover on like the featured covers in, uh, Sirius XM liquid, liquid metal and liquid metal has like a huge reach, you know, but really when you're going to radio outside of liquid metal and two or three other shows, it's kind of a gamble because let's be honest, frequently the metal show is like at 3 a.m. And I think that while there's certainly interesting things and people certainly, you know, as a success of Gimme Radio has shown, people certainly like uh, pro music programmed for them. You know, like the fact that it's not on demand is not actually a deal breaker in many cases, but the fact of the matter is outside of no control radio, uh, Sirius XM and a few others, people aren't listening to like small bands on the radio. That is what it is. But I think that to kind of sit down and spend $5,000, unless you like really know you've got a sound that fits this demographic that's a waste of your energy and your money. And that's what it is a lot of the time for radio is it's literally like put down $5,000 and hope that your shit pans out, you know? Um, so that's really my problem with radio is I feel like sometimes people seem to think like, oh, this is something I should be doing when in fact it is not something to be doing. I think it depends on the kind of band you have. If you're pop evil, or you're Taylor Momsen and the Pretty Reckless, or even if you're a Metal Blade or a Nuclear Blast level band, you can you can afford, or you maybe you know makes sense in your you know annual plan to work in some radio for a single. I can see the benefits of it, but terrestrial radio the way it was is going. You know, I come from terrestrial radio, so I have a love for it, but it's kind of going away, and it doesn't have the impact for a scene band, an underground band, the way you think it does. And there is a lot of naivete about it. Yeah. And you can, you know, I'm not saying it's got no value. It's just got diminishing value for the future. It's low on the matrix for future value. It's just my personal opinion. Like mainstream metal, classic metal, or thrash metal, right? Like if you're like playing tech death, like you're just not going to get radio play. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like... 
maybe someone maybe like one dj at serious metal will like think that's cool but like you're not gonna get you're not gonna get serious radio play if you're like a tech death band for instance you know what i mean it's just not and it's just not worth it because also yeah again you have to remember what are the type of people listening and the type of people who get in their car and put on serious liquid metal are usually not people looking for your like art tech death about ayahuasca. You know, like straight up. And it's a hard sell for the people. And listen, there's many fine people doing radio promotion. I'm not beefing with them. And a lot of labels have a radio department and it does help and it does make a difference. And if you did get a single on Gimme Radio or you did get a single on Sirius XM, it definitely can help your sales. It definitely can. Oh, yeah. Money. Yeah. And again, we're, we're not we're not I'm not disagreeing with that. Like, I think that there is value. I just think. Diminishing returns, like you said, Keith, a, sto- a stoner band on heavy psych sounds doesn't need terrestrial radio in 2021. Yeah. You know, because those people have their own ways of finding stuff out and they're gonna you know and and okay actually no this ties into the last thing just just tied into radio is like this is a serious question does anyone listen to like 95 percent of these like online radio stations i don't know the answer (laughs) like i feel like you see all these like metal mayhem radio 24 7 metal and it's like they've got like the algorithm like plugging in their shit or whatever and like that's cool but like nobody listens to like people listen to gimme radio people listen to a few other big ones but i don't think people are really like in terms of like internet radio like getting on some of these small internet radio shows like most of the time it seems to be just like older dudes having radio shows to have radio shows that aren't really listened to by anybody. And, you know, which is a bummer, you know, cause I know some of those guys try really hard, but also like outside of gimme radio or hard rock hell, I'm not sure how many have like real listener bases, you know, partially because having like a proper radio show is fucking hard. Um, you know, so I don't want to like throw shade on anyone. I'm just saying like, don't view getting on some random tiny internet radio station as a success. People are not, you know, like ultimately, and this goes for all ad targeting and this goes for how you should think about how you discover bands and stuff. Your fans, especially in heavy metal, but in music in general, your fans probably look like you in terms of how they consume music, the type of music they're interested in, et cetera, et cetera. So ask yourself, how do I discover bands? What turns me on to music? And then let me do similar. Right? Sounds good. You know, and I think other stuff is outdated and scary. And I know that's like hard to hear. I know it's not what you want to hear, but yeah, such is the reality. Do you have any sort of final thoughts there, Keith? Yes, now that we've given and dispensed all this good advice, please go listen to Matt's show and Gimme Metal, a stoner home companion, or go listen to the Ghost Cult Mag show in the Gimme Metal archives. Or listen to my black metal show, A Blaze in the Northern Airwaves, 
Um, yeah, right. Uh, on Hard Rock Hell. Touche, pussycat. Okay. This has been Dumb and Dumbest, brought to you by the Daily Music Business Podcast. You have been listening. Are we done yet? Subscribe today to the Daily Music Business Podcast on your favorite podcast platform. This is Krista Makes, guitarist and vocalist for Less Than Jake, and host of Krista Makes a Podcast, a songwriting podcast where every week I'm joined by an amazing guest to break down the writing, recording, and release of one iconic song from their career. In our giant, evergreen back catalog of episodes, we've had rock legends such as Dee Snyder and Huey Lewis, punk rock favorites like Mark Hoppus, Fat Mike, and Brett Gurowitz, and up-and-coming artists of today such as Liz Stokes of The Beths and Genesis Owusu. We've had guests from all genres and styles of music, and I guarantee that if you peruse our back catalog, you'll see several episodes that'll make you say, man, I gotta hear that. Whether you're a fan of music or a creator of music yourself, you'll take away a whole new appreciation for the songs you know and love. Chris Makes a Podcast is available for free on all the places you could possibly listen to podcasts, and new episodes come out every Monday.